And there we're live. Hey, everybody, welcome to Afterburn Soccer Show. Um, we're coming to you on this nice Monday evening here, September 11th. Um, uh, one of those anniversaries that always kind of makes you pause when you hear it uh, after, um, you know, every time you hear it, you pause and think about where you were. But hey, uh, we're here to talk soccer tonight, to think about uh, what lies ahead for FC Dallas, think about uh, just the busy slate of soccer to come and to, to, to break it all down. Uh, and so thank you all for joining us on, on this evening uh, as we, we talk about FC Dallas, North Texas, and even some international uh, opportunity to talk about soccer as well. Uh, joined with, uh, I'm Nathan, of course. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill, and I'm joined with our buddy Jose at El Chico Carmona. What's up, everybody? Um, yeah. Oh, you, looks like you got a nice haircut there, Jose. <laughs> overdue. Over long overdue. I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks. Not due for mine as well. But good. Well, uh, we have several things to get to. But of course, let's just start looking back uh, with FC Dallas. We. I almost thought about going back and getting the the video clips of us making predictions to our last podcast, and we didn't go live last week, and we were predicting a really strong week, at least four points for FC Dallas, and then. They went to St. Louis. There was uh, that red card um, on yeah, Martin Paz. Yeah. And while they did get a late consolation goal, they lost 2-1. to one. And then back at home, we were hoping that they would take advantage of that opportunity, but uh, only could uh, get a draw with Atlanta visiting Atlanta. Another game that sort of punches some holes in our hopes of this team being a contender. Now, with that said, there have been some predictions out there that FC Dallas is still on the playoff line, and, and if they continue at their current form, will still likely make the playoffs, but they'll be one of the last teams to sort of punch their ticket. Uh, so that's not ideal for FC Dallas fans, but... That doesn't mean they can't still perform well in, uh, over these next uh, you know, several games to close out the season. So, yes, a, a loss at St. Louis, which way losses are not the end of the world in any soccer league. But, but the draw at home is just another kind of a disappointment when we thought this team had begun to find their second or third gear. And and it's just it's just unfortunate all all in all. So Jose, what were your reactions after that week? What 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 did you see that didn't go you know FC Dallas's way? Oh, they were just snake bit, really. In all honesty, it's they lost in all the uh, disappointment with uh, one point in two matches. Is the fact that FC Dallas played two of the highest scoring teams in the league, St. Louis top scoring team I believe in MLS at least in the Western Conference for sure and uh, then followed it up with a game against Atlanta second highest uh, goal scoring team in the Eastern Conference and let's face it they, they for the most part did a tremendous job shutting down St. Louis a man down you're talking about a team that's, that scored over 50 goals in their own backyard and you have to admit that had FC Dallas not gone down a man, namely their starting goalkeeper, 
you have to think that's a, that's a game they can get walk out of there with at least a point. Because, frankly, Dallas losing to, to St. Louis had more to do with the fact that they simply wore down, which would happen eventually, and, and you know, people will say that they got the uh, the substitutes wrong, which, which I can't defend, but... Let's face it. That's the, the most dangerous time when you're when you're facing high-scoring team. In the transition of players, that's usually before your your new guys settle in. That's when they can get you at. And 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 frankly, it's 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 hard to accept that. But it's not a bad loss. I don't think. Down, you know, two-one. They had a chance. Uh, a golden opportunity. To, to go up 1-0 uh, off of that, that that Paxton single man run through the entire St. Louis defense, only to have Ansa not have the Ansa, yeah. <laughs> and then and then and then later Ansa got one, you know, after they were we were down 2-0. But you have to think had Ansa found that goal. Actually, does walks out of uh, out of St. Louis with a with one point, and we're singing a different tune. Uh, also, I want to add that in Atlanta, so you're facing the second highest scoring team in in the league, and you're missing Pass, your best goalkeeper, Tafari, your best center back, and you're missing Kinion, who's your best defensive mid that you've got. Uh, so so you've got your Pretty much three of your best defenders out against against uh, a team that has been scoring a lot of goals lately, mm. and 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 like I said, they, I think they have 51, which is second in the Eastern, and it's it's third or fourth in the league. So you faced you faced two two of the best offenses in the league, and and the defense just you know. Even though they couldn't secure FC Dallas three points, like I said, there's nothing we can do about the St. Louis match. That's just that's just bad luck. And and on the road, hey, <laughs> and on the road, that that seems to happen a lot to any team, you know. So yeah. I I I am not down on the St. Louis loss. I, while I am disappointed that that FC Dallas did not get three points against Atlanta, like I said, taking circumstances, you know, considering. The fact that you you're playing Jimmy, who let's face it, Jimmy's better days are behind him. I've always been a big Jimmy guy, and he's an excellent backup. But you have to wonder if Pass starts, if Dallas doesn't allow two goals against Atlanta. You know, so and and, and not just that. I mean, the combination of Tafari, Pass, and and Kinion, that's just too much to miss out. Against against any high scoring team in the league, this is a league where one or two players, and you're starting line, missing from your starting lineup, makes a significant difference. And and against uh, uh, you know, if it was a lesser opponent, you know maybe you know LAG or someone like that, and and it was two two, then I'd be very upset. I'm disappointed, but I'm not upset. And and I'm not of the gloom and doom like everybody else is. The way I see it. Dallas is just middle of the pack right now. There's a whole pack of eight, nine, ten teams battling for, you know, I don't want to say the last three spots in the playoffs. They're battling for the top, you know, the last five or six spots in the playoffs. You know, basically any anything anything below third place is pretty much 
there for everybody in, in that pack. So, so right now, I'm not. I'm. I am concerned because Dallas has to get. They have. They cannot drop any more points at home. You know, mm -hmm. if this was a team, this is against Atlanta with all the all the people missing. I'll allow it. I will say it was foreseeable. But going forward, they, I don't care. You're down a man, down two mans. You, you can't drop any points at home because regardless of what you do on the road, it's getting results in the last, was it three, four home games? Mm -hmm. That's going to determine if you make the playoffs. Dallas gets, wins all their remaining home games, and they're in. The road game results will determine whether they're squeak in at ninth or go up higher. That's my take on. So I'm not in panic mode, but like I said, they can't afford to drop anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, with you, and I, and and really, I think, um, I think our one of the one of our FC Dallas friends, uh, uh, Sam, uh, in one of the chat the chat channels we're in, um, commented on that St. Louis game that the team played really well, after, even starting that match, and then after going down a man to keep things. Uh, keep the game in hand up to the 80th minute and then you know, to give up two goals and even to get one back just uh just uh, felt like the team was uh, hurt a little bit by its lack of depth for that kind of situation um as it seemed like they began to shift a little bit attacking wise thinking hey we're gonna lock this down but let's put a couple of attacking guys on and see if we can maybe squeak out of here with a grab a goal and, and it comes back to, to bite you, but it, it's tough. I mean, those kinds of losses, they changed everything. You, you just try to hang on and they were 10 minutes away from a zero, zero result, which we would all have said, you know what, we'll take it. We will take it in that scenario. Uh, but you know, at home, just keep hoping. I, I think the disappointment comes just from the league's cup and this team, looking really strong in the league's cup and looking to unlock some things by moving Velasco to the middle. And it seemed like they found that extra gear, that extra creativity that they had been lacking. That seems to have uh, taken a step back a little bit, but uh, you know, th I think that's why people are disappointed. So I, I think that's, that's where it comes. So you haven't seen and that. And then you see some of this, this uh, you know the, the, these tough goals given up, including at home. You you go up one nothing against Atlanta. It seemed like the team was just gonna gonna take over, but then you let Atlanta back in it. You let Atlanta get the go ahead goal, and then you have you know, Bernard has been a story of the season. He gets the tying goal. Uh, it, it's just tough. It's just tough. It's, this and is soccer, you know. I know, but it's tough when you saw what they were able to do in the League's Cup. And, and frankly, in all honesty, though, the hardest thing about the, the, the one point on the two matches is losing Kamongo. Because, let's face it, he's a guy, well, I wouldn't say he's a must-start. He's a guy that, that he's, he's that type of player that can get that one goal out of nothing. He's shown that he can do it. We lack those kind of players. You know, his Jesus can do it. And, and Kamongo has shown that he can do it too. And losing a player like that, a player that can that can snatch something out of nothing, even though you know, even though it's not for the remainder of the season, it still hurts. It, it's mm -hmm. it's a tough loss. 
uh, I think losing him against Atlanta, that's I think that changed that trajectory of that game. I think I think if Kamungo doesn't go out, I think Dallas can actually walk out of there with three points. But that I think to me that that just kind of deflated the team. You know, having your having your you're already you know starting two players, uh, three players, <laughs> really two players that getting their first starts, and one player that that uh, in, that's a backup, and then you lose one of your players that has been red hot of late i mean that's you know and, and it's tough it's tough like i said like i said it's just a snake bitten week and and you know hmm. dallas has a history of, of 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 you know bad good seasons turning bad and that's where everybody right now is basically on edge saying man this is starting to look familiar to other seasons, but I don't think so. I, I haven't seen the, the players hang their heads down or anything like that. I'm just saying it's going to be a slug. It's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be a struggle. But I don't think Dallas is in any way shape or anybody else right now, fighting for that last play, last couple of playoff spots. Well, and they prepare to face on a Saturday this weekend. They had. Oh, it's actually a home game against Seattle and. The, Seattle is at 41 points ahead of them. So, but Seattle hasn't been it's in the a, best. It's a, it's a six-point game. Yeah, it's a know? huge opportunity. And Seattle has not been in the best of form this season. They've been not far from where Dallas is as far as sort of almost your 500 across the board. So there is opportunity for Dallas to get get going again uh dallas still has is, is actually a couple of games behind <laughs> seattle seattle, so seattle is second place yeah it's, you it's know? wild it's, i was and, and and they haven't been they haven't looked like uh uh seattle of old you know they they they, they just dropped points at home against portland um who let's say let's face it are not a good team this year so seattle is a team that's Really, not much different from Dallas. Like I said, there's a pack of teams fighting for for you know anything below the third place. You know, I would say I would say even Seattle being second place right now, for example, Dallas wins that match, and Dallas will be four points out of second spot. So mm-hmm. frankly, second spot all the way to ninth spot are really open, considering how many games are left over. And and let's face it, this is a game. This is a must-win game. We we gotta be at home. We got it. Don't matter. It, it, we're in playoff mode. Every game against any team battling for that playoff spot is practically a playoff right now. So so it's a must-win. And and fr- like I said, I don't have a problem with with the with the uh, draw against Atlanta because because of what happened transpired in St. Louis and 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 the people that were rotated out. There's not going to be any rotation here. This is going to be a full-strength FC Dallas squad um, at home. This is this is three points. A, a, a draw against Seattle, or a lo- you know a loss, of course, is, is horrible. But a, even a, lo- uh, a draw against Seattle in your own backyard, <sighs> you can't have that. That's the, I would tell you right now. That would be a, a really horrible result result for FC Dallas. You need to go. You need to. You need to 
beat Seattle, drop them down uh, into the pack like everybody else, and 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 give give yourself a little breathing room for the road trip matches coming up. You know. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, it's going to be an interesting time for FC Dallas coming up. This is really the do or die of of uh, of the season. Now, uh, our buddy Hutch, he has some questions for us. We'll get to hear these here shortly. But he says, all these previous play for the tie blunders from Nico earlier this season has the team in the hot seat. And I think, I definitely think Nico is a pragmatic coach. I think we've seen that. I think he's building a team where he has the tools off the bench to lock up the draw or to go for go for a win to push the game. I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in the end. Nico has seen just how tough it can be and you've gotta you gotta grind out points. So I, I don't mind that. In fact there's some of that that's part of the FC Dallas way. Oscar Pereja certainly knew how to do some of those things even before him Heinemann, you know, was definitely that kind of coach could lock it down. If, if anything, um, I don't know that that's cost us as much because I think earlier in the season, we didn't have some of these attacking options like Ansa, who really has been one of the better signings in the second half of the season for FC Dallas in a while, as far as productivity. Typically, you, you, you bring in a guy in the summer transfer window you don't expect a lot, especially for FC Dallas. We we don't get that quality till next year. But he's done. He's provided something. You know, I'm not saying he's perfect or anything, but it's kind of a surprising little story that's flying under the radar for us. I, I like I like your enthusiasm, but let, let me just add that that bar is not very high at all. So, so absolutely, so. absolutely. I mean, uh, your Mindy has has not been bad either. I mean, he's. He's had some Eric, spots Eric already. Here, Mandy has has looked fabulous. In all honesty, I, I, I this that's where my hope comes from right now is is Ira, uh, Ilara. Sorry, because the the, the part of Spain that they're from, no, the part of Spain where they're from, all right. they don't they don't use the Y sound for the double L. <coughs> so it's Ilara, which I had to you know, being being uh, Mexican speaking Spanish speaker, it, it's just weird for me to have to pronounce the double L's as an L sound, but that's what it is. It's Ilara Mendy. And anyway, um, it, he's, he's class, absolute class. Uh, I'm excited about him getting in form, getting in uh, 90 minute shape, which, which I, I frankly don't think he's still there. Um, I, that's that's what gives me hope going in forward. Going forward is is it, just from what I've seen. If Ilara can 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 get in form before you know before Styles and help Styles make that playoff push, then this is a guy that has the potential to be the best midseason signing. That FC Dallas has ever had. Sure. That that that, that comes in at midseason and changes, not doesn't just produce a team, but changes the trajectory of, of of the team. And I think Ilara has it. He's shown that he's class. 
I'm excited to see what he can do once. I mean, mind you, he's doing this in, in the short amount of time he's been here. In preseason shape. He doesn't even re really know his teammates too well. Uh, you know, he doesn't know their all. He, he doesn't know all their, you know, preferences and, and, and stuff like that. And the more he stays here, he's already playing at a really high level. And I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty excited about what I've seen from him. And, and that gives me hope uh, going forward. And, and I like to see how, how this midfield does against Seattle because this is going to be a real test. Seattle is tough anywhere. Seattle is a team that knows how to win. They know how to, how to, how to, they know how to go on the road and steal points. And, and I will be watching the midfield and I'll be watching Legette. Uh, Ilara, I'll be watching Paxton, who looked, who's looking like he's back finally. That's where my excitement going, you know, where my, I would say excitement, but my positive outlook comes from is the fact that Paxton is looking better. Velasco is looking like he's hitting his gear. Areola is looking better. He's looking, he's not, he doesn't look like he's all the way back, but he's looking like he's on his way back. Ilara looks good. There's a lot of hope there. Um, I still don't know. I'm still not having seen enough of Frazier to, to make a judgment on him. Um, I can't say that I was I was impressed by him, but considering where he's playing, what he's doing, he's ma he's mainly going to be a, 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 the number two D mid behind behind Kinion and, and and if his if you tell if people tell me hey he's playing at the same level as as uh Cerillo, I'll take it you know mm -hmm. I'll take it so so I'm I I'm positive but but no more injuries please I mean it, it, we just got back a bunch of people from injuries and, and having Ber losing Bernard let's hope that we don't start losing other guys mm. Well, this uh, in other good news, it was international break, and so we saw uh, some guys from FC Dallas and from the FC Dallas family, you could say, well, including Pepe. We opened the show with his nice goal against Uzbekistan. I, I bet he starts in this next match. Uh, you know, but um, the, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, I, it's hard for me to get excited for for the U.S. national team. Simply because, mind you, I get excited, but I like have to shut off my social media because you beat the chatter you beat Uzbekistan 3-0 not a bad team I mean okay okay yes I know they're not they're not world beaters but they're not a bad team they're a tough team they're 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 they look solid they play solid and and you know 3-0 is an impressive victory by any metric uh, uh US fans they're just a tough lot. It's like they they look at the team and they expect the Globetrotters. It's like, oh, we're playing Uzbekistan. We should be like just blowing these guys out of the water. <laughs> and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if, if, if the U.S. won that game 60-0. They'd be like, ah, that's – they just moved the goalpost. So. Yeah, I'm just saying, I don't get excited about that. I'm excited that Pepe um, scored. And, and it's, it's not that Pepe scored. It's that uh, Polygon – Look, 
like he was doing a Ferreira imitation out there. <laughs> I just, you know, you know, people say, "Oh, he's dropping too far back." Oh, he's just like, "Hey, wait a minute, that sounds like a familiar complaint," you know. So, so yeah, I know. At some point, you think. I just say it. Just well, say it. Nothing is Balogun. I, I, I. It could be the fact that he that that he he was going to play a half, you know that that has a psychological effect on people too, you know, so. So we, I don't know. I don't know if his game, if his head was in the. I'm, he's a professional, I'm sure, but I'm just saying it, it has to affect the player. Mm-hmm. And, and sure. I'm ha- I'm glad Pepe scored. Pepe is still growing. He's still a growing player, and he's he's a player that plays on and feeds on confidence. So, yay! Let's let's see some more. Let's see that confidence build. We also had Carl uh, Sante from North Texas make um, his uh, get a call up to, to Haiti again. I, I did a nice interview. I was able to sit down with him. I'll be actually releasing the, just the raw audio this week as a special for our, nice. our podcasters just to listen to the guy. Um, interesting conversation with him. And, and no, he's only 21 years old and still has a bright future ahead he's of him. still raw. Yeah, he's still, still, still raw. Could you know? Could lock down a spot because, especially of the makeup of the roster. Uh, I don't know if he has a green card. Uh, uh, I didn't ask that. That would have been interesting to know because if he does, you could really see him slot in as that number three sort of backup defensive mid going forward. But who knows? We'll see what happens next year. But he's had a good season, good experience for him on the international stage with Haiti, and he's and he's ambitious. I'm, yeah, I'm not ready to say that he he'll get a roster spot but i would like to, to see him go out on loan to a usl championship team and see how he takes that step up in competition because let's face it that we've had players that have played really good for north texas uh and they just have not for whatever reason have not impressed the coaching staff and whatnot and, and saint has some things that he brings to the table that that I haven't seen from other players. But like I said, he's just a raw talent. He's young, he's raw, and and he's still I'm still not convinced that he has MLS level speed, which I think is ultimately what decides if you make it or not. You may have the skills and, and, and everything else, but if you can't pick that that MLS speed up and make your decisions faster and stuff like that. That's what hinders you. Kamongo, at the beginning of the season, compared to to before he got injured, night and day. You could see early on in the season that he he was struggling with the MLS speed, but once he settled in, you know he's been solid. And and that's I'm just just saying, there's no guarantee that that uh, especially at a, a demanding position uh, as a D mid, you know, where you're protecting the back line. That's that's. I, like I said, I like to see him a uh, year in USL Championship, and, and 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 starting, not not just you know coming off the bench. Sure, sure, that makes sense. It makes sense. The other call up, which was a which was big news, I think, worthy of big news. Uh, also, the uh, one of the was it twenty three best under twenty three. They keep changing it under best twenty four under twenty Which was Alan Velasco getting the call up to Argentina and. And really, evidently, accounted for himself well, scoring a goal with the U23s, 
in uh, a victory there. And also, probably, it looks like I think they did some training with uh, with the senior team as well. Or so there's some kind of crossover. Yes. But really, really exciting to see Velasco get hit a, a sort of a reward and recognition of his of his play. Well, a huge, really a huge goal and a huge performance from him because he's not a lot to to be you know he's fighting to be on that olympic team the Argentine olympic team which would be massive for him and 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 i would say the call up some people were like well he's he's one of these guys that's 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 on the bubble or whatnot uh for their olympic team he doesn't he's not playing like a guy on the bubble he, he was playing like a guy that deserves to be on that squad and and going out there and balling out uh you know, even in friendlies, that's what gets you. You know, it's 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 hey, first secure your spot on that Olympic squad, and then second prove that you can be a starter on that squad. And and I think Velasco right now is is mind you a guy a young player, another player that that that's gonna feed off of confidence and whatnot. This is massive for him. This is massive for his growth, massive for his for his uh, uh, confidence. And, and right now, you have to be getting excited that we're finally starting to see him start to develop to that $8 million man that we thought we were getting, that we, we've only seen glimpses of. And we're finally starting to see him basically, the gears are ticking. He's starting to, he's starting to feel comfortable. He's starting to uh, basically play as a game changer as opposed to someone who's just another player. You know, relying on other players to, to free him up and whatnot, and and it's exciting. I th- I think it's an exciting moment right now for Velasco. Well, here's the question that Hotch asked. Um, you know, Velasco is the most likely of the current starters to be sold this offseason. What is most likely the team's response in his absence? And and he goes on to ask if there could be a, a formation change and everything. But I think I think the the question mark, just as you're saying, Jose, even for the first part of this this conversation. Well, yes, Velasco's stock has gone up a lot. I would predict Jesus, if he finishes the year strong, is more likely sold this winter than Velasco. And and part of it is that if Velasco's in contention for a spot with the Olympics for Argentina, why change your location you know, right, right before and potentially lose playing time and then have your spot on that squad come up because you're not getting as many minutes. So it's all about the situation for these players. So I, I would think, if anything, Velasco would do well to wait until next summer after the Olympics or to see where he is then. Rather, you know, keep getting minutes. Stay in form. Show that you're ready to lock down that spot rather than take a risk in the winter and potentially go to a team where you might not play as much as you are here. I, I don't know. Those yeah. are kind of the factors that these players have to think about with their agents, right? Yeah, but the the reason Velasco is you're most likely to be sold, as opposed to Ferreira, it's multiple things. One, Velasco wants to be in Europe. He's a he's a player that 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 has, you know, not hidden the fact that he wants to go to Europe and sees Dallas as a stepping stone. And, and and mind you, he, he but he's not playing like he doesn't want to be here. He's playing, treating it as, 
hey, I have to excel at this level to get where I want to be. And he, so he's doing it the right way, you know. Uh, where Ferreira, he's a player who probably, and, and, and I mean, I don't know him personally, but from what he says and the way he behaves, this is a player that wants to win a title, some kind of trophy with FC Dallas, and as opposed to making Europe his priority. Now, he's a player who, who I know everyone, I get annoyed when everyone calls him a lifer and whatnot. The guy's 22. Here's a guy who knows that he, he doesn't have to go to Europe right away. He's, he's getting paid better than, than most players his age in MLS. And, and, and the team really has built around him. Let's face it. You know, when, when they signed him and made him, the, you know, the, the first homegrown DP, you're like, well, are they going to build a team around him? And it's, they have. They have built the team around him. If Jesus isn't here, you know he's not here. It's not the same team. It's all designed to, you know, you know when he's here, this team gets points. That's... That's what it is, and 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 his and it's not his price tag that's scaring people. It's it's how much money he's making. Also, it's the combination of his contract, the money he's making, the fact that he doesn't mind waiting a year or two or three sure. to go to Europe. Sure. That is a huge factor where where Velasco is younger, and really his his if he goes out makes the Olympic team for Argentina and balls out, he's gone. Because somebody will go, hey, this this kid has, has, is doing everything he's supposed to be doing. You know? So, so it's, it's a, Yeah, it's a question of timing for all these guys. And I just don't know about this offseason. I think that's it, – it's going to be a question. I think and, even for Jesus, it's going to be is the right offer and the right situation there. And I, and I want to add that the team doesn't have to replace Velasco. If Velasco goes, but because Velasco has moved centrally, if he leaves, if he's sold, you already have uh, Ilara, who is an eight, not a six. You know, you already got packed. You already got um, Jesus Christ, I can't think. Legit. That's three guys fighting for two eight spots right there, and you got. Uh, uh, I can't think of our South African player for a second there. Siki. Siki. Uh, yeah, Siki. Uh, and you got Siki. You're set at the eighth spot, in all honesty. So, really, it's just a matter of, hey, we need to find a winger, you know. And, and, but you're not playing Velasco winger. So, you're trying to find that winger now. Frankly, you could promote Kamango. To an actual starter once you know him and Ariola would probably be your starters next year so I don't think you have to replace Velasco if Velasco leaves because he's playing as Nate he's not playing on the wing and you have already four eights on this on the roster besides him um, if Ferreira leaves that's a whole that opens up a whole can of worms that Dallas even has to deal with. That, I mean even then I think the team is is putting themselves in a position where they're beginning to have some options. It, not necessarily always the best options, but Ansa, Kumungo, and, and of course uh, Jimenez are, are all options. So it's not like 
you know, oh gosh, we got to completely rebuild the position come. And of course, and Mulatto, who is, who is still getting his seasoning and but who yeah. knows and, what his future will be. So there's some the options, Ferreira, but, but the thing with Ferreira, it's if you sell Ferreira, you literally built a team around him. Sure. So if sure. you sell the guy you built the team around, you're not going to be able to replace him. You're going to be able to bring in a guy to play striker, but now you got to rethink how you're going to build a team. Do you build it around Velasco? He may be leaving. I mean, do you say, hey, Kamungo's our next star. Let's build it around the wings. You have to suddenly decide, okay, if Jesus is gone, where do we go next? Because that's the difference between losing Velasco and losing Ferreira. You lose Velasco, you already have the players to replace him on your roster at that eight spot. You lose Jesus, now you got to replace him and you got to rethink your, your, your team build. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a bigger blow losing Jesus. Well, good stuff. Good questions there, uh, Hotch, and and of course, we, yeah, we got to get three points in Houston. I, I think Absolutely. I think it would be wonderful, and to to get the Copa Tejas uh, would be a nice uh, a nice uh, little tally on this year. It, it does seem, uh, it, and well, let's let's shift to North Texas really quick. North Texas did get eliminated in their last game uh, officially from postseason play. Really disappointing season overall even if you can look at some bright spots throughout the season for this team, you can look at some guys and it feels felt like the way they constructed the roster, the, the big question mark that I'll have of course is, is Javier Cano who certainly uh, you could argue about the results. He didn't get, get the results as a head coach. Not, I'm not going to argue with that at all, but it's not like under Gaul, uh, their interim that the, the results markedly improved either. They kind of carried those same challenges over. But what you did see under Gaul is a lot more additions to the team, a lot more signings to add depth, competition, and, and that all which builds toward next year. So there's just some question marks about all that. But, hey, at this point they have a couple of games left, opportunities for guys to, to show what they're capable of. And uh, to give some guys minutes and and see who's going to be around next year and start starting fresh then and finding that coach maybe who's already in the organization that can take this team where they need to go. Um, so, so I, I I want to defend Coach Cano. Let me let me come out and say that I honestly don't think he did anything wrong. I think you have to put this on on the general manager and the ownership, I think their messaging, messaging to Cano was wrong. Cano, if you watch the games that he coached, and he was giving a ton of minutes to the younger players. He was rotating. I mean, they hardly ever started. I think Henry is the only center back that started pretty much every, you know, most matches. But the pairings were always different. It looked like a development team. It looked like Cano was brought in and said, hey, we need you to basically find talent and, and, and don't worry about the wins. And I think that basically they were confident that this team had so much talent that the wins would come anyway. And so Coach Cano was basically getting minutes to everybody, trying to develop the roster, not the team. And and I don't think it was – the message was – it's so it's it's we're we're gonna make we must make the playoffs. You must win. 
I don't think that he never coached that way. To me, it was basically if you look at the lineups compared to to what uh, Gall is showing now, where he was he's starting consistent lineups. You never got that from Coach Cano, and, and he gave a ton of minutes to young players, and that will pay off next year for this team. Well, by the way, they signed Diego Pepe, so another young player signed to. I mean, look at all the they've got. They've signed what five, six, sixteen, seventeen like year olds, it, right? Yeah. You know, you got Pepe, you got Lacey, you got uh, 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 Urzua and, and Diego, and then you got uh, the, the kid that got injured. And and uh, there's like six, seven teenagers that were signed this year to North Texas. And frankly, these kids will have a full year of professionalism next year. And, and and you now have a coach in golf who understands that the team has to win. So I think the approach will be different next year. I think I think uh, I think the messaging was wrong, and and the fact that Coach Cano was surprised that he was fired tells you that what he was told and what was expected of him was not. There was a lot. There was a loss in translation there. You know. Mm. That's that's my take on this because I I was pretty happy seeing that all the young players were getting minutes. And, and if and, if some of those guys, some of those young players, through that experience, become major prospects, the team, you know, the organization will have to thank Cano for giving him, giving him that boost, that opportunity, you know, in the long yeah. term. Yeah, I, I I've, absolutely, you know, and 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 to add, you know. And, and so to, to termination there to Coach Cano, Gall next year is going to have players that, that will have played in UPSL because FC Dallas is launching a UPSL squad for players in the U19s and, and North Texas that, that are in need of minutes. You know, it's, it's, we talk about that ladder, you know, missing rungs in the ladder. We're missing a Division Two team. Mm-hmm. You know, we got, we got, we got FC Dallas. Then we have no Division Two team. Then we have North Texas. Well, then there's the U19s. But now there's a UPSL team between there to, you know, get that another. So you had that missing piece of the ladder. You had two. Now you have only one because you have no Division Two team uh, because that leap from North Texas to FC Dallas is is is, is a massive leap. But so you have to think that the leap from the U19s to North Texas is a similar leap, and now Gal will have uh, be able to to see some of these players that are not getting a lot of minutes play for UPSL and be able to better, you know, assess how how they can help North Texas. So huge move for North Texas, big good move by FC Dallas. You know, I, I wish Kano had it. I think it would have helped this year. But. Mm-hmm. Team well, good stuff. I think we'll, we'll leave it there. We look forward to the game this weekend. Should be a, a fun one as FC Dallas welcomes Seattle. Let's do quick pre, uh, you know, predictions of the, of the match. I'm going to go with a two nothing victory, FC Dallas. I think they get it done at home. I'm going to go further and say three zero. All right. Good, good, good. I think I I want right. to see right. Dallas go for the jugular and and and, and I, I mean. It's Seattle. It's, in all honesty, it's probably going to be 1-0. But I, I would like to see this team. This team start. I think. I think 
the fact that everyone's clicking or starting to click. They're not clicking, you know, as a team, but individuals are starting to click. I think this team is ready for a big outburst, a big, you know, put it all together. And, and I would love to for it to be against Seattle. All right. So three zero is my prediction. Cool. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us. Hodge, thank you for the the comments. I appreciate you all. Of course, we post on the audio. And uh, wherever you find podcasts, you can you can like and subscribe. Leave us a review. Of course, follow us at Afterburn Soccer. Site's been a little bit slow last week. Also, a little bit of sickness in my family, and so I just didn't have the energy to devote. But look for some fresh articles as we start to kick toward the rest of, of, of the season. A lot of soccer ahead. Thanks, everybody. Thanks a lot, guys. It's always a pleasure. Be nice.